0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Ask Experts podcast with Alka. And I'm so truly grateful to each and every one of you who come back week in and week out to listen, learn and grow. And as always, I so truly value your time. How many people would love to be connected to a high level expert that can help you to scale your business or your situation? My podcast, Asking Experts, helps you to be connected to high-level experts that can help you to scale and grow. Travis, welcome to Asking Experts.
1: Hey, thank you, Alka, for having me on the show today.
0: Yes, you're welcome. Now, Travis, you have an incredible story. You have an incredible story. Why don't you start with us? Your backstory, how you got started doing what you are doing, and how the viewers can really. So share with us your backstory.
1: Oh, goodness. How much time do we have?
0: <laughs> as much time as you want. Just uh, just share with us.
1: Uh, sure. So backstory includes the childhood. That includes 36 moves, 12 schools, six states, five different foster homes, surviving two murder attempts, and being homeless before Graduating high school, joining the military and marrying my wife. That's like the super quick backstory version. I got started in business and podcasting with my last few years of the military Uh and retired last year. I now have two shows in the top 5% globally, a podcast agency where we run other people's production. And I'm the only podcaster that has a college accredited course on podcasting.
0: That's great. Now you have, um, so, you know, you've got this incredible story, like you just said, you know, having survived two murder attempts, you moved from six different states and different foster care homes. So most people, you know, they have... um, when they have gone through this victim uh, mentality, you know, you've gone through trauma, hardships in your life, it's very hard to imagine not to be a victim. But you came out on a positive note with a positive attitude. Can you share with us what shifted you, what transformed you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after the second person tried to take my life directly, Directly, I found myself in a place of contemplation. I'm sitting out behind my house and running through all the things in my mind. And when I came to, is that I understood that there was no magic apology that was going to take it all away. There was no one that could come up and say, you know, I'm really sorry, Travis, for all of this, and that was going to make it better. There was no government agency or person that was going to come save me, that if I wanted something different in life, that it, it had to be up to me. And when you look at the fabric of the U.S. and what people complain about going to work or the stock market being up or down or who the president happens to be, mm-hmm. none of that stuff has anything to do with that person's mindset. I've done a, a lot of interviews on my shows. I'm over 200, I'm pretty sure. And uh, we got the chance to interview Dr. Lou Marinoff, who's a professor at City College in New York. City College has more Nobel laureates than any other university on the planet, so it's pretty easy uh, to see how he might come to some of these conclusions. He talked about that you can't be offended against your will, that nothing that you can do to a person can get them all into whatever mindset. It has to be done with that person's permission. That person has to give permission for the situation to be scarce, to be Survival, to be a victim, it requires that person's consent to go there. No amount of what happens to you, even though <laughs> I know full well how hard it can be at times, mm-hmm. no amount of that stuff ha- happening to you dictates a certain outcome. We have to choose what we see. And after the second person tried to kill me, I knew that if I wanted to have a different life other than what had been shown, that I had to re- take accountable, accountability and responsibility for the things that I could. I marched up into my mom's house and told her I was leaving, and if she loved me and she wouldn't say anything about it, she would just let me go, and she did. I was able to get to a safe place, moving with my grandmother. I didn't tell her I was coming, and that was the start of being able to come out of that stuff. I can't say that the change was immediate. I definitely can say that I was mature in my late teens, early 20s. I can't pretend to do that. But once you start making a couple of good choices and once you start taking responsibility for all this stuff in your world, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It really doesn't matter whose fault. I can go all day long and say, it's this person's fault. That doesn't mm-hmm. fix anything. It right. doesn't make me feel better. That doesn't get me out of the slump that I'm in. And when I took that accountability, I found freedom because I knew that I had a choice.
0: I mean, we all have a choice. It's up to us to um, either we we take the we, we take that route or we don't. I mean, we all have a choice at the end of the day, and it's it comes down to our perspectives as to how do we see life. Now, Travis, I can only I can only imagine what, and it comes down to sometimes we could be in the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time when you face those murder attempts. Like where could you describe where were you? Like what exactly happened for you to be faced with this murder attempts?
1: I, I hate to sound like um uh, like a victim, but I did absolutely nothing. The first attempt was mm-hmm. by my sister in my house, and the second attempt was by my mother when we were at the hospital together. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, yes, I mean, being a victim, I just as you said, you know, there's no point staying in that victim mode because we can blame all day long, but that's not that's not gonna serve no one. So, Travis, could you describe the trauma? Now, people face trauma. In various different situations, I've gone through trauma in my life. I have faced, um, you know, those dark times. And when we've gone through trauma, through hardships, that's the time when we begin to learn. That's when the change happens. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and I feel that, you know, it's those hardships that make us who we are today.
1: It absolutely is. It, I, fully, I fully agree with that. I know that we've all encountered people. Uh, that said, you know, I don't understand why I keep dating such crappy human beings. I don't understand what keeps attracting them. Right. In that situation, you were there to learn a lesson. Mm. And when you did not learn the lesson, you got the opportunity to again learn that lesson. Maybe it's having boundaries with yourself. Maybe it's enforcing your self-worth. Maybe it's realizing that you're worth fighting for. And once you do that, Those people won't be attracted to you anymore because they can't be attracted to you anymore because you're not letting them be attractive to you. It sounds a little crazy, especially if someone was listening to this in in a hard situation right now. Mm
0: -hmm. I can
1: can feel the anger welling up in them. Travis, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. (laughs) I do. I get it. Mm -hmm. I woke up. I took my mom to the hospital in the middle of the night for mental health problems. And I woke up and she was straddling me with a pillow trying to smother me. Me keeping myself in that situation, you know, not moving out like I did a few months later when I was 16, like I could have chosen not to do that, not to fight for my life. And had I done so, had I not done that thing that I did, I would still be in that situation. My sister went through largely the same stuff I did. I'm sure she has some different stuff, but she never took responsibility for her lot in life. and. I happen to do so. And you can see the clear trajectory differences between my life and her life. And I'm not saying that I'm better than she is, mm-hmm. but she's still in a place where she can't or won't accept any of the responsibility. And until that happens, her life's not going to change.
0: And you know what? And I love that change. So when we talk about change, change is, it comes down to how do we perceive and How do you perceive the change? And we have to make those shifts. Oftentimes, it comes down to making those hard decisions. And like you said, you know, setting those boundaries. And when we set those clear boundaries, uh, like, you know, dating those wrong people, and, you know, we might be saying, well, how do I keep attracting that same guy or that same girl? Is it because we allow ourselves to be, to put ourselves in that situation to attract those people? The wrong or the right kind of people.
1: Yeah, it we attract the thing that we focus on, and we focus on ourselves being terrible human beings. You're going to attract people that are going to affirm that for you, right? Every day, all around the world, there's terrible things happening. There's feminists that do things good and bad. There's misogynists that do things good and bad. There's uh, all the all the words, right? All the political words, all the political hot buttons. That stuff happens. Mm-hmm. All you over the place have. every day. If I say, man, you know what would be really cool? Uh, a red Corvette. Once I get the red Corvette, I'm going to see red Corvettes everywhere. They were right. there before, but I wasn't focusing on it. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, All I see is racism in every situation. If that is what you're looking for, that's what you're going that's to find. Get. Yes. Oh, there's just terrible guys. I can't meet a good guy. You're focused on terrible guys. And because you're focused on terrible guys, that's who's going to show up. If you start looking for the good in people, if you start looking for people with the abundant mindset, if you get rid of some some of those old relationships that no longer serve you, I don't care if they're your best friend since second grade. I don't care if it's a family member. No amount of shared history or shared DNA gives anyone the right to treat you poorly. And a lot of the times, that person we see in the mirror every day, they need to be held accountable for their shit. I know I give myself some bathroom mirror therapy every now and again, like, what the hell are you doing, Travis? You know, I don't advocate hang yourself, but you've got to, right. <laughs> you've got to take control of that stuff. Right. We have yes. the subconscious, uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up just in a sec here. Uh, you've got a subconscious that only tracks that there's one single person living on the entire earth and that's yourself. So anytime you say or think anything negative about somebody else, your subconscious thinks you're talking about yourself. Yes, And they're like a bouncer at the club, clicking people that come in, only they're clicking the good things and the bad things you say about yourself. And if that negative stack about yourself is taller than the good stack, guess what? You're going to continue to operate and treat yourself poorly because you haven't got enough good clicks yet that you can do for yourself.
0: Mm hmm. That is so true and amen to that because, you know what, at the end of the day, it comes down to your self-worth. I feel it comes down to your self-worth. Most of us don't have the the highest self-esteem and the self-worth and the self-esteem. If you have the low self-esteem, then this is where you, the attraction, attracting the wrong kind of people because you have that low self-esteem by yourself.
1: Yeah, and even yeah. even having it is one thing. What we have happened, and I noticed this with uh, my wife throughout the years, mm-hmm. is I would tell her that she's beautiful, funny, brilliant, all these things, and she would tell me, "You're only saying that because you're have because you have to because we're married." Even people that that have poor self worth, there's people that tell them wonderful things about themselves, and then they brush it off like it's not really true. How many times do you know someone that watches those rom-coms and be like, oh, if someone magical like that was in my life, it would just be better. And then in the same day, you're telling the person at work that's giving you a compliment that they're full of shit and they're wrong. The exact Mm -hmm. thing you just asked for during the movie is given to you in real life and you shoo it away. You said, "That's, that's not me. I don't deserve that. You can't one want the one and deflect the other and expect to get what you want.
0: Exactly. Cause they're both the same things, They but are, we but we don't see it. We, we don't see that.
1: We don't. And I've, I've been in that situation myself. I used people's negative views about myself, what I couldn't do because I was a foster kid or what I couldn't do because I had a broken family or what I couldn't do based on all the stuff I've already talked about. And I use that, that negative energy as fuel for me to do all the stuff that I did. And when I started really doing good things, I found out that compliments actually tripped me up because I didn't know how to take it. Because as far as I knew my whole life, everything was negative. I know how to use the negative comment. And you're like, hey, Travis, you're doing really good today. I would like walk into a table (laughs) or like bump something off the countertop because I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know how to handle an actual compliment. There's there's words out there that can help anyone struggling with. It's thank you. With a period, Mm -hmm. not thank you and some kind of qualifier. Oh, nice shirt. Thanks. I got it for a dollar. Thank you is a complete sentence and all you need to say. You don't have to qualify this thing good or bad or otherwise. Get rid of those qualifying words like, oh, I love them. They're really nice. Nice means you're unremarkable and nobody is going to remember you. Well, You know, I'm just going out to dinner with family, just going out to have dinner with the people that love you the most. Yeah. Get rid of of those words. Let me be honest with you. Let me be honest with you. If you're using that line, were you lying to me all the rest of the time we've been talking? Get rid of all these qualifying words that discount you as a person. It's not cool. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't make a mistake at all. You bumped into me. It's a crowded place. The word you're looking for is excuse me, because sorry implies you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. when you did nothing
0: wrong exactly so it, that is so true you know when you look at it though from that perspective it really is um so you know asking those qualifying questions so when you talked about when you were in the foster care home and um you know that's when it's, For some people, those situations happen where they are perceived themselves that, you know, I'm not worthy or I can't, I won't excel too much. How many years were you in the foster care system?
1: That is a great question that I don't quite have the answer to. I know I was in five different homes, but I went in and out of homes, depending on if my mom was in or out of the hospital for her mental health.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So I, I was an eight foster or five different foster homes, but eight times total. I can't remember, you know, in the early 90s when I was a kid, like how long I was there or why exactly. And they didn't exactly tell you that stuff up front. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. OK. So do you feel that being in the foster care home and or any, um, you know, if you were in that broken home that most people you know, do come from, that this actually helps you. And you talked about just now that, you know, it actually helps you to build yourself to actually, you know, the hardships that we have gone through really helps you to understand you and really helps you to uh, to how to navigate through life. But do you think that it really helps you to propel through life? number one, and how did it, did it help you with the tools that you needed to succeed in life?
1: Uh, it did exactly that, right? If you look at the world at large, if you look at uh, the millionaires out there, let's, let's take a look at that group that I used to hate. I remember being in a trailer park and seeing those nice houses and just assuming, mm-hmm. right, that they were terrible people because I was in the situation that I was in. I can understand how people would see that. 85% of millionaires our first generation, which means they've built it all in their own lifetime without getting an inheritance or anything else. Right. Over 80% of the world leaders out there that are elected grew up in abject poverty with tons of trauma. Mm-hmm. Trauma can hurt you. It can disable you if you allow it to, no but if idea. you use it instead to propel you, we are the highest performing, most achieving badasses on the planet. So if you're not going through your past trauma, you're just reliving it instead of gleaning the tools and the lessons out of those situations, you're going to be in the the situation you find you're in. You're going to stay there because you're not willing to look back at the lessons. All those foster families, I can't say anything bad about them. I got into some great homes. I saw some great relationships and it was the only model I had for healthy relationships growing up. It was far superior to the house that I was living in. Now, of course, that situation is not the same for everybody, but maybe it's just because I've always been a positive guy and I looked for the things that were positive. Some of the things moving around really did for me is it allows me to be very comfortable in any situation. It allows me to make friends very quickly. It allows me to have excellent navigation skills because of all the different towns and cities I had to learn to navigate through. Right, It helps me remember names because I've met so many people. It helps me look at problems differently than everyone else did because within all these families and all these communities and all these cities, they were solving the same problem in different ways. There is not one road to any solution. There are many roads to the solution, but you have to be open to seeing what they are, why they work, and how one might – be more appropriate tool for this situation and the next time it comes up you might need a slightly different tool to navigate that situation
0: absolutely every tool is different from every person's in a given situation so travis why do people and i love that that you need to be open and even in despite the fact that you know you've been in a foster care home uh, people have come from broken homes um but you still have to be open. If you're just closed off, given any situation, you are not going to, uh, you know, at, on a subconscious level, as we know, you're not going to succeed because you're not willing. And I think that's the, I think that's the bottom line. You, you've got to be willing to see, okay, where am I today? How can I grow? How can I progress given my situation?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, when growing up in in abject poverty like I did, we had all the government programs, right? Mm-hmm. Welfare, child support, food stamps, SSI, Social Security, um, alimony, food stamps. Like we were on. It's like the American dream, right? Seven streams of passive income, <laughs> right? Isn't that the right. dream?
0: Yeah.
1: I know that we received those things, and I knew that I mm-hmm. that couldn't be my life anymore. I mm-hmm. knew. That I had to do something. That I had to work hard, whatever hard looked like at the time. Yes. When I graduated high school, I was working three jobs, five days a week, make ends meet to make sure I would never end up in that spot again.
0: Mm-hmm. When I
1: got approached with a, a fairly decent job in a, top of, in a town of twelve thousand to go work at the college as a, as a maintenance guy, the, the the idea was good, but I didn't think the job was good. Even though mm-hmm. this is like mid nineties, and I would have been making eighteen bucks an hour with a high school diploma, which is In a little town back then, that's like an insane amount of pay raise, right? I couldn't see the vision because the guy that shared it with me didn't share the vision, right? I didn't Uh understand what he was seeing. He showed me this piece. It was my dad. He showed me this piece, but I couldn't see the vision that he saw. But Uh I understood the concept. So instead of going to work uh, as a maintenance guy at the community college, I went to work with the U.S. Navy working on injection seats. And that allowed me to get within a system. That I could use, know what the rules are, and just like any other game, once you know the rules, you can learn how to beat the game, right? I knew that if I showed up with a you know, good-looking uniform with my haircut and with a great attitude and willing to work, right. that it was going to work out for me. That the, the steps to success in that organization were clear and laid out. I just had to be willing to do the work. Exactly. And so many of the people that are there, they're not. They think that the next pay raise is some responsibility that they're not yet mature for. So they don't study. They don't do the things they need to do to get that promotion. All the while, their families are suffering because you're technically on a fixed income. And they're not putting the effort in to make their family life better. I can say that to anybody in any situation. And people are like, no, I'm working my tail off. If you're working your tail off and it's not successful, then you're doing the wrong things. The effort Mm -hmm. is in the wrong area. You're doing the stuff that doesn't get you paid more, that doesn't get you recognized more, that doesn't move you up to that office you want, that dollar amount you want, the mansion that you want, the car you want, whatever that stuff is. If you're not doing the things that get you there, right? I retired from the Navy last year. I've got uh, plenty of money coming in for my retirement and the VA. I don't have to work. I could, if I wanted extra, you know, scratch. I could go work at Seven Eleven, you know, overnight and be making like 150 grand a year with all that stuff added together. But that's not what I want my life to look like in right. order right. to get the life that you want. You uh-huh. have to know the life that you actually want. Do you want right. to wake up and hop on zoom and have a great conversation with Alka? Fantastic. You can't do that. If you're working a nine to five, I checked. She doesn't have any time slots after the workday. right? You missed that opportunity. Because yeah. she's not available at that time, and you're not doing what you can to put yourself in the position to be a guest on her show.
0: Exactly, success leaves clues, and it's up to us to search those breadcrumbs, to search for those clues. Because if we're not searching, and like I said, you got to be open. You can only search those breadcrumbs follow the breadcrumbs where do they lie and if you're willing to do that Mm -hmm. as you said do whatever it takes you did you took you did whatever it took to get to where you are today so i commend you travis i really do i you know hats off to you for everything that you have gone through the hardships the trauma like i have gone through it's not easy but you know today where you are, so that's absolutely amazing. Success, yeah, absolutely leaves clues. And as you got into the naval, you know, you were a naval officer. What defines a good leadership?
1: Oh, that's a great question. the The key, I want, I want to touch on the breadcrumbs a little bit. Yes. When mm-hmm. When you were saying that stuff, and thank you, by the way, for that wonderful wrap up. You're welcome. Um, but Travis, you don't understand. My boss is an asshole. Well, guess what? You learned ways to not be a good leader. And when you move forward, you won't use that particular thing, but something that person did got them to the position that they were in. And if you can figure out their secret sauce for getting there, whether you like the guy or not, right. Whether he's a pain in the backside or not, right. He has a clue to show you what you need. Yeah. Through all the moves from all the different jobs that I've had, I I've, I've, <laughs> i don't know how it happened. I've been a leader at every job I've ever had since I was 15 on up. Everywhere That's I end cool up working, thing. I end up being a leader. I don't know how it happens, <laughs> but I do know that people have different motivations, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I need to get the job done. That has nothing to do with anyone's motivation for anything. It has nothing to do with anything. What does that person want? What does that person need? What does that person aspire to? right yes. if if you don't know what that is how are you going to get that person to work like well they just have to do it because we're past that era we're we're decades past that era that doesn't work anymore it's not good enough mm-hmm. right some people need to see the example before they can do it
0: True. some
1: people just need to hear uh, your intent and they'll go run and do it some people mm-hmm. need you to hold their hand and walk them through every step and tell them that they're doing good in order to do it yeah. some people Need a stern voice and be told what to do. Some people need a sweet kick in the ass to get moving. True. But yeah. there's a different motivator for every kind of person. I have a a friend of mine that just visited me uh just this last week. We went to high school together. We joined the Navy together. We were stationed together for a little bit, but we've he got out of the military and has been working in Arizona. So I'm not, you know, seeing him all the time. He reminded me of something that he did when we were working at Burger King together. Yes, like in the late 1900s, okay. we were working at Burger King together. No one else could get him to do anything at that job. No one could, no amount of threats, no amount of carrot or stick, could get that guy to move. But I noticed that if I was doing something clean up, like we we're the closing crew, if I was doing something accurately, like had a rag in my hand, it was wiping down something. Yeah. I could ask him to do something. He needed to know that I was doing something and not just coming by to tell him to do something. And we talked about that. And he said, yeah, you can get me to do anything. How did you do that? And I told him what I saw. And he was like, I had no idea. He had no idea that that was the thing that allowed him to do the work that he needed to do. He had no idea that he needed to see that from his leadership in order to not be a jackass about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you find that thing, when you learn what motivates people, what they're actually working towards, You would just be shocked about how people respond because what that means is you actually care about them. You actually show that you're willing to put your time, energy, and effort into them as a person to help them reach their goals. Why wouldn't they do everything for you?
0: Absolutely. And that comes down to being in the right environment because your environment plays a huge role too, whether you Mm -hmm. went in the Burger King Uh, in that industry, or whether you were in the Navy, your environment doesn't come down to your boss or your supervisor, although that that does help. And I'm, I'm sure in the Navy, you know, it requires a lot of discipline. I'm sure there were times when you had to, Uh, You know, you were disciplined in having to wake up early, and I'm sure that sort of brought back. Did that brought back any kind of memories when you when when you were in the foster care home? And I'm sure in some homes, you know, they ask you, well, you got to get up early, you got to do your chores. Was that uh, in any moment that came back to you as a reflection when you were in the navy? When it comes down Uh to discipline.
1: So surprisingly, no. I've generally speaking have been good at taking care of my responsibilities. Okay. I find that every time that I don't, that it creates a problem immediately. Anytime I'm like, you know what, I'm just not going to do the thing today. Like it blows up in my face every time. Every time I try to shirk responsibility, even in the slightest, it's like. No, you were here. You are meant to be responsible. You have to do the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: here's the deal, right? In the military, as you might imagine, there's a lot of things that suck. And we have a yeah, saying I'm in the sure. military. Yes. We have we have a thing that we say, embrace the suck. Everyone understands how crappy it is. No one in the room made that decision. It, it came down from on high mm-hmm. and you have to get it done regardless, right? So a as thing. a leader yeah. in that position, mm-hmm. I'm doing the debrief. I'm talking to the crew, whatever the thing is, and be like, hey here's something I know is going to suck. We have to do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it sucks. Yes, I'll be there with you and we'll get it done. I know. I know it's awful. Nothing can it. be done. It's got to be done. It's within the rules. Everyone know this and it, it's our turn. So we got to do the thing.
0: Right. That goes
1: so far, right? When you're working with the people to let them, you're you're acknowledging the pain that they're going to be in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Right you know yeah. without a doubt most of the time like aircraft maintenance plane breaks right the officers aren't doing anything we're not qualified in maintenance for me i had 11 years as a maintainer i knew exactly how to fix a lot of the stuff and is sometimes that how i would get started a is that
0: how yeah. you, that was the first job that you started when you were in the navy yeah,
1: absolutely so that gave me a lot of credibility we had a we had an airplane that was uh broken and of fixing and the job is the officers is kind of to swing by, give them a little, hey, you're doing great. Maybe bring them some food, right? Cold water, whatever the thing is. Uh-huh. And largely stay out of the way, right? Because a lot of the, form, a lot of the officers, they don't have that kind of training. Mm-hmm. I did. And I happen to knew the flight engineer from when I was enlisted. I've known him for like 10 years or whatever. They're working on a thing called safety wire. Safety wire is you have a, a bolt with a little hole through it. And you put wire through that and you twist it off and you tie it to the bulkhead. You tie it to something else so that bolt can't move. All the forces of flight, you know, the thrust, the land, all of that stuff, these things would shake loose, right? So safety wire is a huge part of what we do. And on ejection seats, when I was younger, my first job, safety wire is on every stupid thing on that entire thing, right? There's like 200 and some pieces of safety wire. So I got really good at doing this task. And in fact, on F-18s, on Hornet's. They have them in the canopy and then you have them in the rudder wells where the the feet go down, you would pull off those panels and you would have to like hang upside down and have one hand back in there and you can't see anything. You have to do safety wire. I'm sure it wasn't as quality as the stuff I could see, but it got done. And uh, I hopped up there and one of the pilots, one of the brand new guys showed up. He's like, what are you doing up there, Taco John? You don't know what you're doing. And he started running his mouth and I got up and they had been working on this thing for like seven and a half hours. Oh, wow. I hop up in there. I'm doing the safety wire. And in the middle of this guy's rant, the new guy's rant, I said, done. And my guy, Josh, looks up there and says like, yep, perfect. You want to do the other ones? I said, absolutely. And the pilot's sitting there with his <laughs> mouth open, like.
0: So you were a pro <laughs> at that point. How in the heck
1: did you know how to do that? I was like, I told you I was enlisted before I was a maintainer. I fixed airplanes. He's like, but how can you can do that? And the flight engineer can't. I was like, because of the specialty that I had. On ejection seats that are covered in safety wire okay, and so tight place. What exactly
0: places. are you looking for when you're doing this safety wire? What are you looking for?
1: You you put the wire through the bolt head and you twist it off and you connect it to a thing, but it has to be uh the correct direction, right? So oh, righty tighty, right. lefty loosey. So it's got to go right.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So it can it can be messed up, but people couldn't get uh they couldn't get their hands in there. I've got little kid hands come in handy for this specific task.
0: I'm sure it does. And
1: yeah. And I've done, and it wasn't in a place you could see. So if you didn't have the experience of not being able to see and do it, you were going to do it, but it would look like crap. And if it looks like crap, if it's all, you know, if it's not a tight spiral, it won't work. So they would keep doing it and putting it up there and they would go and look how it was. And they're like, God, we can't do that. And then you have to cut it off and try it again. And, tr- and they didn't doing this for like seven hours. Mm-hmm. And I was able to use something that I learned more than a decade before that point. Uh, to get it done, to get my crew the rest that they needed <laughs> to to stop the loud mouth from jacking in his <laughs> jaw, right? And to, and to yeah. get my crew, you know, build a little credibility with the crew that mm-hmm. if I had a skill mm-hmm. that I could lend in and help out with, that I was going to do it, that I wasn't going to sit on the sidelines, that I was going to take the action needed.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Well, I'm glad, you know, uh those everything came in handy for you, uh, you know, as you got into the navel. So talking about the demotivation, and sometimes you know, you have you have the discipline and you are so responsible, uh, you know, going through everything that you had gone through. So when when you are demotivated and you lack that motivation to even just carry on, uh, no matter what you are looking forward to in your life why do people stay in the victim mentality and why don't they learn what happens to most people
1: as far as I can tell and I can't claim to be an expert I don't have a PhD Mm -hmm. in this stuff I'm not a doctor although Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind having every appointment I make be a doctor's appointment I'm still not (laughs) a doctor yet when I see people that are that are in this stuff they right. believe something right. about themselves mm-hmm. that isn't true our beliefs push our thoughts our thoughts push our feelings and feelings push action yes and if I want a different action a different outcome I have to go back and check my feelings I have mm-hmm. to go back and check my thoughts mm-hmm. if I'm thinking the wrong thoughts and I can't get it right I have to go back and look at my beliefs the real problem that I can tell is, is people are willing to accept stupid things said as fact without challenging it. We know people that watch the news and let's be honest, any spectrum of the news, right? People remember these sound bites; they get the soundbite embedded and then the announcer or whoever that person is tells them how to feel about it for the next 40, 45 minutes. Right, Right? They take this two-second soundbite and they ingrain it in the person, and that person goes on and repeats it without challenging the statement, right? Think about all the times we do this as people. When Mm -hmm. our moms say something, when our dads say something, when our siblings Mm -hmm. say something, when our friends say something, when our kids say something, the stupid kid at school in the fourth grade, I still hear that (laughs) little jackass on occasion. The thing that he said that I know is not true is still rattling around in my head. Mm -hmm. And if I don't challenge that thing, Mm -hmm. right? If I don't challenge that, then I'm taking that as truth. And that will then go on and dictate my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions. A lot of people in today's world right now, they're tied up with their feelings. Your feelings are real, not discounting your feelings. But feelings are an indicator, right? If I'm flying an airplane... And this indicator starts blinking, depending on what it is, I might have a specific action I'm required to do based on knowledge, based on history, based on a specific checklist. It might be an emergency indicator, but most of the time it's not right. Most of the time when this indicator goes off, I could be like, huh. Why is that? Is there any problems with the jet that I knew about related to that system? Is it this, that, or the other? How can I troubleshoot this in flight? Right? Just having the indicator, just having the feeling does not give you the right to do whatever the hell you want. Well, you don't understand, Travis, I was angry. Angry is a wonderful feeling. But like anything that you have, you can do the wrong action. If I'm angry, and I go down and I do push-ups till I calm myself down and I think through what the anger is and I think through how I was hurt with that thing, I'm going to discover the real cause behind it. Anger is not a bad thing. Now, if I'm angry and I say, screw you and punch you in the face, then I used a terrible action along with my anger. But the anger doesn't dictate that I do one or the other. Right. We get to decide. And people that are listening to this, you've been deflecting. That decision for a long time. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. Doesn't matter what you do, what you say. You can't convince me. Can't change my mind. You're the arrogant guy that won't take a look at another opinion. Mm -hmm. I love, I love meeting people that disagree with me. I'm very firm on the stuff that I know, but if I'm wrong, man, I got to figure it out. What did you go through that I haven't gone through? Am I missing a piece? Right. There's something I'm missing. Am I right? Shit. Am I wrong? Ooh, I'm wrong. Cool. What can I, what can you tell me about why I'm wrong? Well, you're just a uh, white middle class Christian. That's just an excuse that you ran through your head to tell me that I'm the enemy. It has nothing to do with reality. Tell me why I'm wrong. Please, dear God, what am I missing? What am I missing? Tell me. And if you can't tell me or you can't defend your position, yeah. are you just. Repeating some little sound bite that you heard? Are you just repeating? You love
0: love challenges.
1: I I do. I do. They're like, they're like puzzles. Like I've got like Rubik's Cubes all from my office. I know how to solve these in under a minute, right? For the longest time, this was a puzzle I couldn't solve. This was a thing that was a mystery to me. Mm
0: -hmm. And it wasn't
1: till I was, oh maybe like eight years into the Navy, I saw someone messing with one of these. And I saw him writing and doing stuff. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm learning how to solve this thing. He's like, it's been bugging me my whole life. I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, well, if you're going to figure it out, I need to figure it out. I need you, you to need teach me how to teach. do this. He's like, well, I don't yeah. really know the thing. I was like, I didn't ask you if you knew the thing. I told you to teach me. Mm-hmm. And he walked me through the stuff. And then I walked through the stuff. And then I memorized the stuff. And then I figured out ways to do it a little bit differently. So where I can get this solved, the first time took me like eight minutes.
0: That'd and now I'm solving it.
1: I could solve it under a minute each time, but if you don't accept the challenge, if you don't, if you're not willing to look at the thing and how that thing is done or why you feel that way or what the belief is, if you're not looking at challenging yourself, then you're going to keep going your bullshit nine to five job that you hate to get Mm -hmm. enough money for beer, cigarettes, weed for the weekend. You're going to hang out with people that are not improving their self circumstances in any way, shape or form. You're going to go back to work Monday wonder why your life is so terrible. Your life's so terrible because you let it be terrible. And I know that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. And guess what? Your feeling is valid, but maybe your thought is lying to your feelings. Maybe your beliefs are lying to your thoughts, getting this indicator that was never meant to be there, but because you haven't challenged it in so long, you feel like you don't have a choice when Hmm. you really do, when you really do. When you change the people that you hang around, if you trade out the scarcity-minded people for abundant-minded people, uh-huh. you will be surprised how your life changed. Travis, that's just not how it works, man. That is that is utter bullshit. That's not how it works. Yeah, you move somewhere and everyone you meet has got a hot rod, you're going to buy a hot rod. If you fall into a group of people and everyone goes to the gym at 5 a.m., you're asking to go to the gym at 5 a.m. Right. If you hang out with a crowd that goes to the casino every weekend, you're going to be at the casino every weekend. Uh-huh. Stop pretending the people that are around us Don't poison us. And if you've got to cut out a mom, a dad, a sibling, a kid, your asshole neighbor, your best friend since you were 12 to get you some peace of mind and get you to a better place, then you've got to do that. Otherwise, you're just allowing the vampires in to suck the life out of you. And you might as well not even be here because you're not contributing to anyone in any way, shape or form. You were allowing yourself to be victimized by everything.
0: Mm. And that's where people start to take things personally because, you know, they've been programmed to, uh, you know, the, the, the mentality, the mindset, oh, you know, I'm not good or I I won't succeed. I'm not worthy, which is what we started to talk about, people who attract the wrong kind of people each and every time. is because how we are feeling internally, mm-hmm. uh, that's how we attract people on the external And so, Travis, why do people – we talked about the victim mentality. Why do people stay in the victim mindset? Why don't some people learn from their mistakes? Do you feel the rejection? Why do most people on that front – why do most people – you know, they can accept rejection. Why are they afraid to start a business, for example, or start a podcast or launch a book? Why are some people afraid of being rejected?
1: It's so much easier to say it's someone else's fault than to take a hardcore look at yourself. Mm -hmm. It could have been like, you know what, Alka? I can't be on your show. You send me a message on Facebook Messenger. Now you want me to email your link. Why didn't you just send the calendar link right there on Messenger? Right? I could have made a big stink about it. And that would tell you a lot more about me than it ever would have about you. Right? I could have said that if she's a if she's a podcast professional, it should be done this way. Who am I to dictate how one professional does their business? Or another, right? It has nothing to do. The real question is, is why would I put energy into that situation? Hmm. Oh, you know what happened, Travis? He cut me off in traffic. I was like, have you ever cut anyone off in traffic? (laughs) Oh, yeah, but it was never intentional. So do you think that guy that cut you off today intentionally saw you and was like, screw that guy? Or do you think... He's just driving and he needed a little grace on the road. The kind of grace that you've expected when you do it to other people. Well, uh, well, you don't understand Travis. It happens to me all the time because you attract the thing that you're focused on. And if you're focused on all the idiot drivers out there, as soon as you pull out, they're going to come up right next to you. If they were behind, they're going to speed up and catch you. And if they were ahead of you, they're going to slow down just to be there because you asked for them. You asked for all the idiot drivers in the area to come mess up your day. Wait. Right. Do you know what I think when I drive? That's going to be think? easy. That it's going to be free flowing. That I'm going to be able to let people in and they're going to get to where they need to go to. And if they slam on the brake shorts, I'm going to understand that they may be trying to get somewhere and they're not sure how they're going to do it and give them a little grace. How do you think my drive compares to that other person's drive?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's
1: freaking magic. and. I'm going to, I'm going ding on my wife. I learned all that. My kids started like, like cussing and saying word stuff in the cars. Cause they're riding with my wife who thinks people in other cars can hear her. So uh-huh. I remember, I can't remember how old my son was. He's 15 now, but this was a couple of years ago. Wow. Well, no, it has been like, like 10 years ago when he was like five. Okay, Right. So I'm driving in the truck and someone pulls out in front of me and like, ends up stopping short and like, we're, you know, at the full extension of the seatbelt. And instant I slammed on the brakes and that person pulled out. My son's like, really? From the (laughs) backseat? I said, babe, what do you teach the kids when you're driving? (laughs) He was taught by my wife to talk to other drivers in a negative way.
0: Right.
1: Right. And if he doesn't challenge that opinion when he starts driving, he's going to feel the same way that he was trained. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to think otherwise. The person that he loves and cares for most in this world has taught him how to do something. Why would he assume there's any better way to do it?
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Well, there's always a right way and the, and the wrong way. It depends which way you want to go. Travis, you know, you just talked about that. Okay. So how do you even like set your mindset? How do you prep your mindset? And I want to share with you because as I was getting ready for this interview, I put on classical music because mm. I wanted to really relax my mind. And oftentimes, you know, I could be listening to, you know, some kind of pop music, but I wanted to today to put on classical music. And we're we talking about the mindset, how you put yourself in the right mindset, you know, talk about your son, um, you know, he's going to react the way because, that's what he's seen. And we, we are, you know, we always have a um, jump on what we see from adults, you know, kids, Mm -hmm. that is. So, you know, setting your mindset in the right way possible is truly going to elevate you. And I want to talk about Uh, Travis, how did you develop and build the wealth mindset? Because today you have a great success. You know, you go to a podcast show. And so you are living the life of success. But can you share with us, how did you develop the abundant mindset? And, you know, we are in the group with Laurie. So how did that happen that you are now building or you began to build your life in the way possible that you are just leading today.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to dive into this. I want to give like a precursor that this took me years, probably decades to refine. I'm sure I'm still refining it. I'm not going to pretend that everything in my life is wonderful, right? Everyone's got a bad day. My back hurts. (laughs) You're taking too long at the checkout. Screw you, dude. Hurry up. (laughs) That, That happens. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's no longer my normal. It's very few and far between unless you ask my grocer and then I'm sorry. Um, But here's the deal. You have to be open to the idea that something you've been shown is wrong. And you have to be open to the idea that you've been doing it wrong Mm -hmm. for a long time. And you have to be willing to say, you know what, this belief that I have these thoughts that are running through me, these feelings that I'm coming up with, they're no longer serving me. Chances are that when that little level of protection jumped out in your ego to try to protect you, it was very needed. You were in a terrible place. It was traumatic. Something awful happened and it sucks and I'm sorry. And something in your being, your ego, set this wall up to say, I'm going to protect you and keep you safe. And it might sound something like, I ain't wrong. I know what the thing is. I do the stuff right all the time. I know what right is. You were being shown by a friend, a colleague, or a family member that something you were doing wasn't quite right or was just not okay with them. And instead of saying, you know, there might be something to this, that ego that's been protecting you that you needed when you were a kid, you need to tell that guard in there, thank you for the job well done. You can stand down now. I appreciate yes. what you did. Mm-hmm. You protected me. You got me through this awful event. You got me through my childhood. You got me through my marriage. You got me through this trip. You got me through this horrible experience. But we're coming back down from, from DEFCON 1. We're relaxing the standards a little bit. Yeah, we're going to still keep high standards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're still going to enforce our boundaries. But not every little thing is an attack. Right. And if we have that guard on duty or we take an identity – Right? I'd rattle off white middle class Christian earlier. If I use that as my identity and someone says anything bad against white people, men, or Christians, I'm gonna feel attacked because I've chosen that to be my identity. And who, yeah. it's like, it's who you are. No. Those are labels that I've accumulated over time, things that I'm interested in or I like. I am Travis. I'm not that thing. Not that thing that you decided I was, the thing you told yourself in your head to keep you safe because you have to decide if I am or not. I'm not a threat like every other person that meets every other person on the planet has to do. You've decided that I'm in this box because that's easier for you to digest than to possibly think that I could help you, that anything I have to say has value or worth, that I've been through something tough in my life. But if you put those labels on it, you can just assume that I'm a certain type of person and write off everything I do and say. And if anything pops up contrary to that, if you're like, oh, he might have a thing, you just default and be like, that can't be true because I've already labeled him all this stuff. Right. If the labels we are putting on ourselves are not serving us, maybe we shouldn't be calling ourselves those things.
0: Hmm. That is so powerful. And, you know, ego is the most powerful um you know that it is so powerful but you know which is edging God out and so why would we want to do that so my final question Travis everything that you have accomplished today that's fine I truly commend you so congratulations but everything that you have accomplished I'm sure there's more that you are going to be accomplishing if everything your files were deleted tomorrow okay everything that you've done and they were deleted tomorrow what are three things that you want the viewers to learn from your teachings?
1: Well, I got a, I've got a list of four things in this really okay. quick. Four is fine. I've used I've used this in so many situations. Yes, I, I can't even fathom how this could not help everybody. I show up with a great attitude, provide value, and take responsibility for my stuff. End of list.
0: Amazing. Amazing. With that being said, this powerful conversation that we've had, Travis, I truly want to thank you. Where can people reach you? Where can they connect with you?
1: They can find me on Linktree at Travis D. Johnson. One word, no special characters, none of that stuff in that link. It's got the link to all my socials, my email, my phone number, all the stuff I do and all the places to go. But it's so hard to rattle those off when you could just go to one place. Linktree slash Travis D. Johnson.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. What an amazing, powerful conversation with my amazing guest today, Travis Johnson. If you've enjoyed this conversation and if you've been watching this show, we have provided value to you. If you have not subscribed to the channel, I want you to subscribe to the channel. And stay tuned for more podcasts to come with my amazing guests. Because we can only bring you bigger impact, bigger the impact and the database that we grow from your subscribers. And, you know, hit that link button so that the bigger the impact we are going to be having. So I truly want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in today. Stay tuned for more as the Podcast we we'll